This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. What's going on, Bucks fans? The Milwaukee Bucks have come up losers to the Boston Celtics, 119-116. It is a Green and Growing podcast edition. See Sparky Pfeiffer with you here, 1250 AM, The Fan. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Appreciate it. No Nathan Marzion tonight. Uh, again, this was a questionable decision going in. Uh, he had plans tonight. It wasn't sure if he was going to be able to join us or not. Uh, not able to join us tonight. However, you do have me and you, uh, and we are live streaming this bad boy on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. If you have any questions, comments, feel free to leave it in the comments section on the YouTube page uh, for Odyssey Sports, and I'll read those on the air. We can go back and forth uh, from that perspective. A-, a couple of different things I think we should consider about what happened tonight. Okay. Uh, first thing, which is something we talked about Nathan and I on the last green and growing podcast, which was, this is a regular season game, right? It's, it's not a playoff series. Uh, it's, it's not, uh, anything more than just a game in the regular season. Not only is it a regular season game, it's a regular season game at the beginning of the season. We're about a month into the season. This this doesn't mean much, right? If, if this is a Celtics game against the Bucks and it's in April, right? And you're getting ready to to go into the playoffs. Okay. Maybe there's more meaning to that because you're really kind of getting to see where both teams are at heading into the playoffs. Odds are by the time you get to the fact of playing in a postseason game, these rosters are probably going to be a little bit different because injuries are going to occur to both rosters. Uh, the trade deadline is going to come. Uh, maybe there'll be some trades that could change rosters from that perspective as well. So as a Bucks fan, and as a Celtics fan, I would say, you kind of have to take all of this with a grain of salt. Obviously, if you're a Celtics fan, you're super excited about this win because you pretty much dominated the Bucs the entire night. They made some effort there at the end, uh, but it was never really as close as the final score indicated, 119-116. In the first half, well, really for the first three quarters, for the most part, it was a Celtics route. Uh, the Bucs came out, couldn't hit a shot to save their life. Uh, Giannis missed layup after layup after layup. Middleton and Lillard both, I think, started 0 for 6 or something like that to start the basketball game. And that was a big-time issue. Those guys came out uh, and couldn't miss three-point shots. Uh, and we're hitting threes throughout the night. When, when you go co- come out and you're, what, like 11 of 15 shooting threes or something like that, the first 15, that's going to be hard to beat if nobody on your team could shoot. For me. What am I things I don't understand? And maybe somebody will tell me because 
I was in the car for a lot of the first half. Second half, I, I caught most of on uh, TV. But why didn't AJ Green play the first half? Did, did I miss something? Why why did he play? You you played him the last two games. You couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Why wouldn't you put the one guy on your bench that could shoot? Legitimately shoot the basketball. Now I know defensively, okay, he may not be the best thing in the world. I I I totally get it. But you needed somebody to kind of get you going a little bit on the road in Boston. Just to get you going a little bit, right? AJ Green comes off the bench, maybe hits two threes. And now the momentum of the game shifts a little bit and you're able to kind of pick up again. But that's even playing. I mean, as far as I know, he's not hurt. I, I the box score doesn't say he's hurt. I didn't see anything about him being hurt. Uh, that was obviously a coach's decision not to play him. I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it. Uh, Andre Jackson, like him, needed the defense. So I get playing him. Uh, Marjan Bochamp, you knew he was going to be a part of a rotation. So I understand that as well. Uh, but when you need offense and you need somebody to knock out some shots, why not take a flyer on the kid? I mean, the kid showed he can hit the three. So just see. You know what? If he's not on, okay. Well, we tried. He missed like three of them. Fine, we're going to go back to, you know, our other guys. But if he hits a couple, that you can change momentum of a game. And all of a sudden, you look like a swabby for bringing A.J. Green in off the bench. So I was kind of surprised by that. Some comments coming in on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page uh, here on Green and Groig. Don't forget, you can download Green and Groig on your Odyssey app or wherever you download your favorite podcast at. And, of course, watch it here on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. Uh, Dylan says, feels like the Bucks just couldn't get anything to fall through the basket. Pretty much what it was. Uh, and I, I saw on Twitter, Nate Jones, who's a, a guy, the national type writer uh, that I follow on Twitter uh, for the NBA, pretty much said that if the Bucks wouldn't have been so playing selfish basketball uh, in the first half and executed their offense, uh, that they would have won this game. Uh, and I don't necessarily disagree with him on that. Uh, but again, it's going to be a process here. Um, to me, I felt like the Boston Celtics came out in the first three, four, five minutes of the game. They wanted it. Like they came out, a home crowd behind them. And I didn't listen to Boston Sports Talk Radio this week to know, you know, kind of what their thoughts were on this one way or the other. Uh, but it just felt like that they were kind of all ready to go for Drew. That's kind of what it felt like to me. Kind of like these guys were like, okay, so you got Dave Lillard. Everybody thinks you're going to win the East now. We got Drew and we got Borzigas. We think we're going to win the East and we're going to let you know just how good we are. And I think they came out looking for a fight and wanted to punch the Bucks in the mouth first. And that's exactly what happened. And the Bucs took it, and they couldn't figure out how to get themselves back into it. Next thing you know, you're down a dozen, uh, and you're chasing the rest of the game. You get to within six, and then you fall back. Then you get back to within six, and then you fall back. And then you finally kind of get a little bit of a run there again at the end, uh, and you you miss shots. Giannis missed two babies around the rib. Lillard missed one at the rib, where he literally went up and hit the rib with the ball. And nobody's mad at Lillard at that point, because again, you outplayed the whole game. The Bucs did not deserve to win that basketball game. Let's let's just make that very clear. They did not deserve to win that game. If somehow they would have figured out how to win that game at the end, I think if I was a Celtics fan, I would just be shaking my head in disbelief like, whatever. It's a regular season game. I don't care. We outplayed it for like three and a half quarters. Who cares? Um, and as a Bucs fan, you're like, okay, that's impressive. They figured out a way to win, but you got absolutely you know, railroaded for three and a half quarters of this game. So that's going to happen. The Giannis 
and Adrian Griffin little conversation or whatever TV was making a big deal about going back and forth. Uh, there is no reason to care about that or get worked up about that or anything else of the sort. Just going to just put that fire out right now. Uh, I, I wouldn't read into it. Look, you're going to have conversations between the head coach and his players. Sometimes uh, somebody might raise his voice back at the other guy, whatever, especially in a game. Like this is going to happen. Like this won't be the only time this happens. I bet you this will happen more during throughout the course of the regular season, especially when you think about the fact that these guys really are kind of learning each other uh, as far as, you know, how far you could push one, how far you could push the other, what one likes, what one doesn't like. And they're trying to feel each other out. You know, Bud and Giannis had that relationship. They could anticipate each other's sentences of what they were going to say before they said it. So you had that. These two guys have to feel it out. And that is going to be a relationship that will have to grow over the course of time. And it's no different than Damian Lillard and Griffin. Now, will Lillard and Griffin get into it at some point? Maybe. Who knows? Middleton and Griffin? Maybe. But this is part of it. And from Adrian Griffin's standpoint, you could go one of two ways on this, right? You could... Just cower down. Oh, Giannis, whatever you want, Giannis, whatever you want. Or you could stand up to him and go, no, I'm the damn head coach. Like, I want you to play this way. This is how we're going to play it. He gets to pick which lane he wants to go in. We could go in this lane over here and let him do what he wants. Or we could pick this lane a lot more fighting and arguing and yelling and screaming and putting my foot down and establishing that I'm the head coach. So which way Adrian Griffin chooses to go will be interesting. I think I know which way he's going to choose to go, which is I'm going to put my foot down and I'm the damn head coach and you're going to listen to me. I think that's the way it's going to go. And the reason I say that is because of the guys he's coached under and played with and played under. Scott Skiles, that's who that dude is. Tom Thibodeau, that's who that dude is. Nick Nurse, that's who that dude is. Like these guys are all these guys that he played with are all a bunch of hard asses. Like every one of them. And, and all these not played with, I should say, uh, coached under all of them are, are the same type of personality, right? They're going to practice you hard. They're going to play hard all year. Uh, and then when you get to the postseason, those teams tend to maybe tired out a little bit uh, and can't figure it out at the end. But that's who they are, right? And I, this was my thing before the season with Adrian Griffin was, who is he going to be like, right? Is he going to be like those guys? Because if he's like those guys, and he runs your talent into the ground before the playoffs, and now you get to the playoffs, and Giannis and Lillard and Middleton are just dragging because they're so tired because they're playing so many minutes a night in the regular season, and they're practicing and do whatever else. You know How much of an issue is that going to be? And we still don't know how this is going to play. But it does feel like, uh, without looking at numbers, that Giannis is definitely getting more run than he has in the past. Lillard is pretty much asked you know to play that whole first quarter, which is fine. Uh, and it's excuse me, has been able to get him kind of going. Uh, but that's something Adrian Griffin is going to have to balance here at some point uh, as far as being able to make sure that these guys are still going to be fresh in the playoffs. Like, I'm all about playing for regular season wins. I get it. But you also have to understand how good of a team, from a talent standpoint, you have. And yes, you have to develop chemistry. And yes, you have to allow these guys an opportunity to you know, buy into what you're selling them on offense, buy into what they're, you're selling them on defense and buy into what, you know, the coaching staff itself is before you get to the playoffs. Because the one thing you don't want to have happen is you don't want to head into the playoffs 
and Giannis and Lillard and Milton being like, man, I still don't know if this dude knows what the hell he's doing. Like, I, I mean, this defense sucks. We're getting killed because, you know, he's got us in the wrong position. Da, 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 da. You don't want that. You know, you want, you want to be going into the playoffs and these guys being like, yeah, dude, this is my guy. This is my coach. We got this. We're locked in. And that's where you want to get to. That's why this first year with Griffin is so important as far as, you know, playing a bunch of minutes uh, and getting these guys together. At the same time, like I said, you got to balance about getting them ready for the playoffs. Mark on uh, the Aussie Sports YouTube page comments, Giannis was playing out of control all game. Do you see him lipping off at Griff when he pulled him out? Yeah, and we, we just talked about that. And this is the thing. Um, I feel like, and I've said this on other podcasts, that Giannis, to me, feels more aggressive offensively early in games than we've seen him before ever, like ever. He he comes out in the first four or five minutes, like I'm going to establish that I'm going to get a bunch of points early in this game. And everybody else kind of sits around and watches Giannis try to go be Giannis. And it's almost like Damian Lillard got here. And now Giannis is of the mindset of, I've got to prove to him that A, I'm better. And B, this is my team. Uh, and C, I'm going to be the dominant force. All three of those things. Now, consciously, he may be like, that's not what I think. You're crazy. But subconsciously, I, I just wonder if that's kind of what this all is. Because that's what it feels like when you watch. That's exactly what this feels like. This feels like Giannis is going to be the lead scorer every night. He's going to take the most shots every night. And he's going to do it his way, regardless of what anybody else says. Which, again, when you're one of the top players in the NBA, some have said he is the top player in the NBA, and you could say that when you won an MVP or two. You you could do this type of stuff. And that's why you go back to that conversation, and Griffin's got to pick a lane. Which way is he going to go? And is he going to be ready to battle with Giannis if he picks that lane of conflict to establish himself as the head coach and Giannis as the player? We've seen with the Packers, head coaches choose to run away and let the star do what they want. Mike Sherman with Brett Favre. Here you go. You want to practice on Wednesdays at training camp? Yeah, no problem. No practice. Whatever you want, Brett. Whatever you want to do, no problem. You, you, so you, you've you seen them give guys free passes and kind of let them do what they want to do because they didn't want to deal with the conflict. They didn't want to piss off the superstar quarterback or whatever. Well, now here you go. Now you have an opportunity here with an NBA team and a superstar player and a first-year head coach who, by reports, don't know if it's true, Griffin wanted. Not Griffin wanted Giannis wanted Griffin because a, a kid, according to reports, he wanted a former NBA player to be his head coach. Okay, well, you got your wish. So now let's see how it goes. A uh, Rainbow Trout uh, comments on the Odyssey Sports uh, YouTube page tonight. For Ziggis, looks like he's a better fit in Boston than Lillard is with the Bucks. All right, so let's talk about Porzingis. I've seen Porzingis play a bunch for whatever reason i always ended up at bucks knicks games while he was in new york and uh the Giannis porzingis thing was always to me an intriguing matchup because they always called porzingis the unicorn right and Giannis was the great freak and all that stuff so i've seen porzingis play a lot live porzingis is a very good player he is he, he just is he's a very good player uh defensively he could be a force offensively he could be a force. The ability to stretch you out out to the three-point line uh, and be able to hit those shots and draw that big man out on him uh, is a big deal, too. I don't think anybody's ever questioned 
how good Porzingis is. The issue with Porzingis is he can't stay healthy. That's it. That's the issue. I mean, you look at some guys in the league, you know they're good. Gallinari, right? Danilo Gallinari. That dude could flat out play in his career. Couldn't stay healthy. Always hurt. So as much as you like him, you can't stay on the court. What am I going to do? And Porzingis is the same type of guy. If Porzingis is healthy all year, all year long, I bet your money he's an all-star. Yep, an all-star. And not only will he be an all-star, he probably will be the reason why Boston is sitting there in the Eastern Conference Finals. And while if Boston beats Milwaukee, Porzingis will probably be the reason why Boston beats Milwaukee if we get to that point. The problem is Rainbow Trout on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. If I had to bet it, and we all know I don't gamble, but if I had to bet it, there's no way I'd bet that Porzingis would be healthy. There's no chance because history says he's not going to be. History says he's going to be out or he'll be out a majority of this year or a good portion of this year, and he'll be coming back off of injury going into the playoffs, uh, and then you're screwed up. But if he's healthy, then, yeah, it's a huge deal for Boston. Now, I don't I don't necessarily know if I'm going to go down the road of he's a better fit for Boston than Lillard is with the Bucks. Damian Lillard is damn good. He just is. Like, I don't care what team you put him on. If you put Damian Lillard on any team, I, I don't care what team it is. Put him on the Lakers. Put him on the Warriors. Put him in Utah, Cleveland, wherever. Detroit. I don't care. Pick a team. He's going to be Damian Lillard. He's going to be a top 75 player. He's going to get his points. He's going to be a huge clutch time player in, in close games. And he's going to will teams to victory in certain situations because of his will to win to a certain degree. Similar to kind of like Giannis. So when you start talking about fit, dude, he's a good fit for anybody. Like I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily buy into that. You know, when he was in Portland, and it was him and CJ McCollum, and they're like, "Well, it's not a good fit." Well, okay, but you don't move Damian Lillard to accommodate CJ McCollum. You move CJ McCollum to accommodate Damian Lillard, and the issue there was what both those guys weren't great defenders. They both could score, and McCollum wasn't as consistent as Lillard, clearly. So then you move on from McCollum, um, and then it kind of backfires. You end up in a rebuild, obviously, in Portland. But you build around guys, franchise players like Damian Lillard. Don't worry about fits. Like, no, he's fine. He's he's more than fine. He'll be great, uh, as will Giannis. At the end of the year, if the Bucs and the Celtics aren't in the Eastern Conference Finals, I believe you listening or watching on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page will be shocked. I'll be shocked. I promise you, I will be shocked because do you buy Philly? Some do. Some believe Tyrese Maxey is the truth. And this dude is, you know, a superstar uh, that has been kind of put uh, pushed aside because Hardy was in Philly with that beat. Well, if Philly is going to end up being that star or Philly's going to be that team in the Eastern Conference Finals, he better play like a superstar all year. He's off to a hot start. That's great. We're a month in. Talk to me in March if he's still doing the same thing. Then we could talk about, okay, maybe Philly's going to be a threat. I'm not getting all in on Philly 
until we see if Maxi can continue playing the way he's playing for the entire season. Once we get to that point, then we can talk about Philadelphia. Who else is the Easter Conference? Cleveland appears to be not ready still. Again, long way to go with the season, obviously. Uh, I thought this might be the year after watching up last year with Mitchell and all those young bigs that, okay, maybe they take that step this year. It doesn't appear they've taken a step yet. The one team that is interesting uh, is the Indiana Pacers, who have really played well. Uh, and Tyrese Halliburton, you know, the Wisconsin native, has balled out since that Sacramento Kings trade that saw Sabonis go to the Kings, Halliburton go to the Pacers. Uh, he's just dropping 30-point games left and right over there in, in Indiana. Excuse me for uh, a hiccuping there. Uh, but but he has really played uh, well. And Sabonis has really played well for the Kings. And I remember when they made that trade, uh, I would say, boy, that's a that's a great trade for the Kings because they, they got a bunch of guards and they don't have any bigs, and that's just a great deal. And a couple of people on Twitter were just all over me like, oh, Sparky, you're an idiot. Halliburton this, Halliburton that. And I was like, okay, fine. Well, he may be great, but for that Kings team, they needed a Sabonis, and they have. And that's really improved the Kings. And now Halliburton has really improved the Pacers. They got a really good coach at Rick Carlisle, right? They got a big of Miles Turner. They've got pieces. But again, I ask, is that sustainable for an entire season? Like Maxi, can he do this for an entire year and play at that star level all year long? It's great when you can play at stretches. Fine. Look, I've seen Chris Milton get hot for a week or two. Great. But we've also seen Chris Milton go ice cold for two or three weeks, right? What makes superstars superstars is they do it all year, every night. They don't drop off for a week or two at a time. They're always there. That's the difference between Lillard and Holiday. Lillard is there every night for the most part. Holiday offensively is not. Not at all. And the reason that everybody was all excited about Boston getting this deal was why? Well, he's a great defender and, you know, Lillard's not and that's going to hurt Milwaukee. Hey, man, you can say whatever you want about Damian Lillard, but you are not going to tell me that that man is not at least attempting to play defense on the defensive side of the ball. You can see how much, to me at least, better he looks defensively than what he looked like in Portland. Now, again, could be coaching, could be expectations of how they want you to play, could be the pressure of being on a new team. And knowing that everybody's looking at you because of the guy you replaced was Drew Holiday, who was a great defender. And even Lillard, remember when he came in, said, hey, look, I'm not going to be a Drew Holiday defender, but I'm not horrible like, you know, people are kind of making me out to be. So I think there's that spotlight on him defensively that when he was in Portland, nobody cared about or talked about because even when they were a playoff team with Terry Stotts for those years, nobody thought they would ever, you know, go to the NBA finals or do anything like that. Good, but never great. So there was never any spotlight on him. Now he's in a situation where the spotlight is on him. This team is expected to go to the NBA finals uh, and win a championship. And if they don't, they're going to be looking to blame somebody. And if it's Lillard's defense, that's where it's going to go. In Portland, there was never any threat of blame to be put on Lillard. Now there is. And I think he's, you know, he's living up to that hype. The other thing that happened in this game, and Doris Burke pointed it out. And I, I'm going to say that I agree with her and it's a problem in the NBA and it drives me nuts. And I'm sure it drives some of you nuts too. The whole idea of 
I go up looking for a foul when I take a shot. I don't get a foul called. And then I sit there and I argue with the referee. Lillard did that tonight. Lopez did it at one point, I believe, tonight. You cannot do that, in my opinion, when you are in a close game or a meaningful game or anything like that. But one thing that drives me crazy are guys that don't hustle back on defense, that leave their teammates high and dry, right? When you see your best player walking down to play defense, what? Like, okay, you're my best player, but you don't care about defense. So why the hell should I care about defense? At least, you know, when Jamari Parker said, I don't care about defense. Nobody in the NBA cares about defense. If I'm going to be in this league, I got to score. Okay, fine. Fair enough. He was just being honest, but he didn't even attempt to play defense. Like he wasn't even BSing anybody. Like, no. But for me as a fan, if I see the best player on a team walking back or arguing with a referee, and now it's five on four at the other end, and this dude's still having a fit about a foul call that was already passed and we're already on to the next possession, that's a problem. Like, you just can't have that type of stuff. Now, again, regular season game in November. Who cares? Fine. I get it. Fine. But you can't have this happen in the playoffs. And it's November, so we have a long way to go. But if I'm Adrian Griffith, that's something I'm talking about. It just is. It's something I'm bringing up in the locker room. Like, guys, we cannot be arguing with the refs and leaving our teammates high and dry on the other end to play five on four. It can't be something that happens. When it's your best player or one of your best players and Lillard and Brooke Lopez, you're setting a horrible example for everybody else, for Bochamp and, and Andre Jackson Jr. or whatever else. If one of those guys pulled that crap out there, Griffin would have yanked him and sat him on the bench. Sit down. Sit down. Who do you think you are? Sit down. But you would have to say, who do you think you are to lead that with? Meaning, if you were a superstar, I'd let you do it. Yeah, fine. Go ahead. Do what you got to do. But if you're not, no, sit. And see, to me, that standard should be the same across the board. Lillard, Lopez, Giannis, Middleton, those guys can't be sitting there arguing about a call and while the play is going out on the other side of the court. Just can't. Can't have it. It's a bad look. So hopefully uh, that gets figured out too. Uh, the last thing I want to get into quickly here because it was brought up on the broadcast too is this whole thing about Giannis's free throw shooting being tr- absolute crap. Lowest of his career. Let, let's, let's talk about this for a second, okay? I don't believe that Giannis doesn't care about free throws. I do believe that Shaquille O'Neal did not care about free throws. Not at all. Did care. Not a bit. Did care about advancing his game. Nothing. I'm going to dunk the basketball. I'm the most dominant guy you know, in the NBA. I'm going to be in the NBA Hall of Fame. I'm good. Fine. That's who he was. I don't believe Giannis is that. I believe Giannis has been working and working and working. And then he finally had a rhythm and then it was taking too long and people were chanting numbers at him. But when they were counting him down, if he was taking too long and he's, you know, getting whistles blown out of him for taking too long at the free throw line. So then he had to change his routine again. So he continues to screw around with this free throw thing, trying desperately to figure out how to make more free throws. But there has been a steady decline here over the last couple of years at the free throw line. For me, if I'm a member of this coaching staff or the players on this team, 
I'm not even addressing it. I'm not bringing it up. I'm not worrying about it. We're just playing. Like, I'm not even not even going to bring it up to him. I'm not going to be like, hey, Giannis, you know, you're struggling at the line. Why? Why, why does, he knows he's struggling at the line. Why do I need to add that into his head? I'm, I'm not going to do that. No need to bring it up. And I don't know if Bud ever brought it up. Maybe Bud and, and that coaching staff never brought up to him about his struggles at the free throw line. Maybe they did. Maybe they worked on it and did all this other stuff. I just wouldn't. I would just ignore it and move on. It, it, it's part of who he is. Just like he's not going to you know, shoot 40% or whatever from three-point line. That's just not going to happen. He's never going to be a great free-throw shooter. Fine. It's just you move on and let him get out of his own head. Just go up there and shoot the basketball and get back on defense. Because it's it's just a waste of energy for everybody involved to keep harping on the free throws. Now, I get it. You know, as an announcer, you have to talk about it. Uh, as a sports talk show host, well, does anybody really talk a lot about the Bucs anymore on Sports Talk Radio in Milwaukee? Probably not. But uh, if you're talking about the Bucs on Sports Talk Radio in Milwaukee, then, yeah, you, you have to bring up the fact that he's missing a bunch of free throws. And it's going to potentially cost them in the playoffs. I think that is something you definitely is worth having a conversation over as he's getting worse. So, yes, they on the radio also have to talk about that. But internally, there in that building, no, I don't I don't think it's worth it at all. I'd rather have if we're going to butt heads, I'd rather butt heads over using your braid and not making a dumb decision to go one on five or to make a dumb boneheaded th- a pass or a dumb cheap foul because you're frustrated. Have those conversations about making better decisions on the floor with Giannis and have that battle with Giannis if I'm Adrian Griffin instead of worrying about his damn free throws. Like, no, not at all. Let's talk about the mental side of the game and how I want you to play correctly versus worrying about your free throw percentage. That's not going to come up if I'm them. But again, everybody else can talk about it. Media can talk about it. Fans can talk about it. Social media can talk about it, have at it. But we ourselves in the building are not going to have that conversation kind of going forward. One other thing, because things just keep popping into my head. I'm sorry. Chris Middleton's minutes getting a little bit better. Chris Middleton, not all that great uh, tonight. And again, as we've talked about on this podcast with Nathan Marziano and myself, it's not as big of a deal right now. Like the end game on this thing is you want Milton playing full minutes come playoff time and you want Milton in his groove. Milton himself has said many a times he gets that dead leg period where he gets where he gets tired and then he gets into that one or two week funk where he's just God awful. And then once he comes out the other side of it, he's good. So again, it's going to happen. And because you're slow playing this and you're not playing with a ton of minutes early, the question is going to be is when is that going to happen? When is that, that dead period time going to come where, you know, he has to fight through that fatigue for a week or two to kind of get out the other side. You know, is that going to come in February uh, because you're slow playing this? Cause normally it would come around. I'd have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure it would come usually around middle of January or somewhere in that area, top of brain, maybe early February uh, is normally when he would hit that dead period for a couple of weeks. Be be not that good, uh, but you want to be through that on the other side of that fatigue and then into playing really well, kind of going into the postseason. So, you know, when he starts off horribly from the field or whatever else, I know all you guys that don't like Middleton want to bash on him, but it's okay. Like, it's fine. He's going to have nights where he's going to score. He's going to look really good. Guys, 
they have right now, for the first time since Ray, Sam, and Glenn, they have three dudes on this team that legitimately will all or should average over 20 points a night. All three of them, Lillard, Middleton, uh, and Giannis all will be over 20 points a night. Giannis will be over 30 points a night. Lillard's going to be probably over 25 a night would be my guess. And Middleton will be right around 20. Maybe it's 19, maybe it's 20 and a half, whatever. That's something you kind of, you couldn't look at Middleton, Giannis and Holiday be like, oh yeah, all three will get 20 tonight. You, I, I didn't, never at any point did I ever think, yep, we're definitely getting 20 out of all three. With Ray Sam and Glenn, you could say that, right? Uh, with Clay and Durant and Steph, you could pretty much say that, that they're all going to get their points. They're all going to score. Now you have le- a legit three guys that can all put up points on a given night consistently, night in and night out. And that's what you want. And this will pay itself off before the end of the season. Uh, and before we get into the postseason, you will see, you will be happy. This will all work itself out. It's a process. It's a growing process. And Thanksgiving is upon us. Uh, we have lots to be thankful for as Bucks fans. We have a championship already that we were all alive to see, right? So that was good. Uh, we got Damian Lillard. We have two top 75 players of all time. Got a beautiful arena and five serve forum. That is absolutely gorgeous. They redid that whole deer district and that's way better than it's ever been. So again, as Bucks fans, uh, a lot to be thankful for. And if you look at this versus the Brewers who probably aren't going to be very good next year and the Packers who, you know, are seemingly turning around on offense, but still doesn't appear to be a very good football team. Uh, you have one really good pro team here. Uh, and that is the Milwaukee Bucks. So be thankful for that and be thankful for the fact that, you know, providing everybody stays healthy. They're going to compete for a championship again this year. And, don't worry about what happened tonight with the Celtics. Just move on and uh, enjoy Thanksgiving. Enjoy doing some Black Friday shopping and uh, enjoy the weekend and uh, go from there. All right. Enjoy the rest of your night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Green and Growing. Download it on your Odyssey app or every you download your favorite podcast app. Toodles. Toodles.